Imagine, if you will, an election. It looks like business as usual. A technocratic liberal centrist with the backing of the political establishment is expected to cruise to victory. But along comes a political outsider, a right-wing populist with a few simple messages, a wealthy businessman who somehow spots a gap between the haves and the have-nots that the other elites have overlooked, someone who sees the divide between the elites and the regular folks, the cities and the suburbs, someone who lambasts the media while also cannily manipulating it. As the technocratic liberal runs an entitled, uninspiring campaign, the right-wing populist captures the zeitgeist, cruising to an unexpected victory. I refer, of course, to the year 2010, when Rob Ford became the mayor of North America's third largest city. Welcome to the Michael and Us Canada 150 Spectacular Part 1, Rob Ford. It's great to be back. It's been a while. Uh, I feel like it's been a little longer than two weeks, but we've got a whopper of an episode. This one, I think, was especially fun for you and me because, I don't know, Rob Ford, uh, I mean, that, you know. (laughs) I really feel like I lost my innocence with Rob Ford. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that story you just told, really, it is a story for our era in so many ways. The whole Trump thing, it was so weird to watch Americans reacting to it. Like, God, if Trump wins, I'll lose all my faith in right. de- democracy. And it was like, bitch, please. Yeah, it's like we've we've already been through this. Like, everything about it, it was just like, oh, I've already seen this. This is just it on a larger scale. Yeah. Uh, it's been two weeks, though. So much has happened in the two weeks since we last saw each other. There was health care. There was, mm. well, you became the uh, the target of the blue checkmark liberal yeah. crowd. And also, actually, weirdly, though, not because of our episode Infowars as well I was on Infowars You were on Infowars? I didn't tell you this. I d- well, I maybe was me- you did, I but- was mentioned on Infowars by by uh like, by Alex. Pu- no, no, not by Alex. By Pugnosed, uh, his Pugnosed sidekick, <laughs> uh, Paul Joseph Watson, who... Uh, Favorably, I who, assume. He, that's right. <laughs> who, uh, well, what was really funny, though, is what uh, got those people angry was that I kept referring to Marine Le Pen as a fascist. And I think one of the funniest things about contemporary fascists is how, like, triggered they are by that label. So Paul Joseph Watson, um, in whatever accent he's supposed to have, was like, uh, uh, Luke Savage from the CBC News, uh, you know, he's like... These are- As we all know yeah, you, Luke right. Savage he's from like, the CBC. He, he, he began by saying, these are influential people, media people, influential <laughs> people in the media. Um, so that's the Infowars seal of approval. You can't do much better than that, folks. Um, Can you, in that voice, say, uh, that's not a knife? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your trained pony. But also, you, you uh, were an early critic of Obama's uh, Wall Street speeches, and then right. the whole Neera Tandon crowd. The Neera Tandon, Joanne Reed brigade uh, piled on. And uh, I suppose by the time we get this out, I'm going to have an article that will probably be out in Current Affairs that I've co-written with someone that is going to kind of tackle the Obama speeches and a couple other things about his post-presidency in kind of a more expansive way than uh, I could cover in that one tweet. But basically, you know, I started kind of just mentally itemizing the things Obama had done in his post-presidency so far, and I just put them in a tweet. And actually, I didn't even offer any particular comment initially, and yet it still just made people (laughs) angry. 
it's sort of like how I kept seeing during the 2015-2016 election cycle, like liberals, like in Hillary supporters, you just quote an actual thing Hillary had said <laughs> without comment, and then they would get mad at you. It's yeah. like, no, she just said that. Well, people have a hard time letting go of Obama, mm-hmm. and I think it really speaks to the big symbolic role that he played. Yeah. I mean, Obama was America's redemption after Bush, mm-hmm. uh, and now that, you know, now that Trump is elected, you see people trying to rehabilitate Bush as this honorable statesman. People have this deep-seated need to believe that America is fundamentally good, and anything bad that happens is this aberration, and yeah. Obama is an is a symbol of history's trend towards progress yeah and i mean we've talked about it before but you know that impulse to try to externalize the defeat so that it's you know it's the russians or it's the fbi or whatever to make it this kind of abnormality i mean that is a manifestation of that same impulse it's like the country is fundamentally good everything's basically Mm -hmm. fine but you know there were these external factors that no one could have predicted and um, I mean, actually, I just, you know, I just don't really think that's true. I mean, if um, if the Obama admi- administration, that this administration that was supposed to be transformative, you know, if after eight years, the country was in such a state that Donald Trump could become president, I think you've got to see the Obama presidency in a big way as a failure. We were talking earlier tonight about the, the pictures of Obama and Trump, you know, <laughs> sitting in the White House, shaking hands. And I remember in the two days after the election, I found that picture incredibly hard to look at. But yeah. then after about two days, it felt very liberating, like to be able to like, look at that picture and almost be able to like, have permission to give up on Obama. <laughs> And the Obama myth. <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, I got that's my two weeks getting attacked from, uh, well, not the left, but uh, the center and the right. Uh, what have you been up to? You were in you were in the States recently? I was in Rochester. I was at the Nitrate Picture Show uh, right. seeing old movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, saw, I, I saw a pretty good movie we could do for Michael and us one time, Alexander Nevsky by <laughs> Sergei Eisenstein, <laughs> which what was kind of interesting about that is uh, it was made in 1938 in the Soviet Union, and it was a historical film about uh, Russia rising up against the Germans. Actually, that sounds... Pr- I would be into that. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it could be interesting fodder for us at some point. We, we keep talking about the possibility of, of, you know, going back to a film that's actually good. Well, I want to, but I mean, uh, unfortunately, well, we, Michael and Us Nation did not rally around the Great Dictator episode. It's too... Yeah, do, do better, Michael and Us fans. Come on, go back. Can all of you go and click on that episode a hundred times, <laughs> and then we'll do another good movie. That's right. But uh, you don't want that from us. <laughs> You, you just want filth. You want the Arnold Schwarzenegger episode. <laughs> and speaking of filth, boy, have we got some filth for you. Uh, so this is uh, the first of a projected two or possibly even three episodes about uh, Canada 150. Uh, this is the 150th anniversary of Canada. It's our beautiful, our beautiful country. What do you think of Canada? Not a fan, to be honest. I mean, it's a bit lame, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you know, the U.S. kind of sucks, but I don't know. I'm glad to live here. I don't really understand patriotism mm. because, like, what what's the point of declaring allegiance to a country? It's like declaring allegiance to your apartment, right? Right. Like, like mm. I mean, it's a place you live, and if the tub is broken mm. or if the toilet's broken, you got to fix it. Yeah, I, I think I think the way I see it is, um, you know, I mean, I, I grew up here. I've never lived anywhere else. Mm. Um, I grew up in you know, rural Southwest Ontario, and I've spent my adult life here in Toronto. And I mean, you know, there's a lot, I mean, I I, I chose to live here, you know, there's Mm. a lot I love about it, but there is definitely something about the, um, I don't know, the The aesthetic. Well, no, no, I mean, there's something about the mainstream Canadian sensibility, the one that's reproduced 
kind of through our cultural industry and, and which is really manifest in our politics as well. Uh, that really rubs me the wrong way. And actually, I have another article coming out soon for Open Canada, which will be about that. So stay tuned, folks. Well, but, I, uh, I have a theory for why all of the writing that ever comes out of Toronto is bad. Right. Uh, which I think you've you've shared with me this theory before, and I think that it's one that's more that's applicable more widely to Canada in general. I think uh, Toronto as a city is big enough to be smug, but it's uh, small enough to still be embarrassingly provincial. And that's why all the writing, like... Well, the, not all the writing. Well, that my, I think well, I mean, my, my work is pretty good. You and I are in this room, so... <laughs> yeah, but, but cer- certain of the, uh, let's say, the uh, Canadian writers who get uh, who write for, like, I don't know, foreign publications... <laughs> I, naming I, no names. Naming no names. But I, I think if you connect the dots... No, and that... Listen, really... Canada is interesting because it's boring. <laughs> oh, think, about, think about that. Dude, stop digging. Um... <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I think that that is really kind of the, the issue with Canada in general is that, I mean, and that describes so much of kind of the cultural economy of the country, which is that we, you know, Canada is like, right, it's proximate to like the global metropole, yeah. right? You know, it's got, we, I mean, we're sitting here in downtown Toronto, which in many ways is a world-class city. It's one of the most successful experiments in multiculturalism mm-hmm. in the world. And yet... Canada is a country of like just over, you know, it's what, 35, 35 million of us now or mm-hmm. something. It's it's tiny. It's like the size of like, you know, uh, I mean, it's like the size of like New York's greater New York City or whatever. It's it's mm-hmm. it's so small. I mean, uh, California is a bigger economy. I, I've never heard a world class city more concerned about whether or not it's a world class city, city right. than Toronto. And mm-hmm. I mean, all you have to do is look at Toronto's architecture uh, to see this. Uh, Toronto really had a 10 year flirtation with kind of ridiculous gimmicky architecture. Yeah. Basically, sort as a way- faux modernism. Well, I mean, Canada is riddled with cities that decided to make like the world's biggest ball of lint so right. that, or the world's biggest something or other that can like put them on the map. And Toronto had this 10 year experiment with like. Uh, Frank Gehry knockoff buildings. Right. Uh, I think maybe even Gary himself designed a few of them. <laughs> like we have, we have the Royal Ontario Museum, which mm-hmm. is. This... I like it actually. Oh, come you on. Don't like it? Well, I mean, it's kind of fun to pass on the outside, but when you're inside it, like the space doesn't even make sense. No, the, that's the true. The crystal, like yeah, it's true. That's they have the, There are huge spaces where you can't even fit anything. It's because the architect just like drew some scribbles on a piece of paper, and and now at winter they have to close the sidewalk because icicles form on it. Right. right. Uh, so yeah. it's just totally illogical. Or I don't know the OCAD building. The on on still yeah. it looks like a fucking bunker. Yeah. It's terrible on the inside. Like we had all these these gimmicky pieces of architecture just to like put us on the map. <laughs> like, oh, if we if we make this stupid building, it'll make us a tourist attraction. That's that's Toronto. Well, uh, you know, anyway, I, think... I love Toronto. I love living here. <laughs> it's great. Um, I you know, I think so in in kind of the subsequent parts of this series, which, you know, we're not sure how many episodes there's going to be yet. We're not sure if they're all going to be continuous, but uh, probably not continuous. I mean, part of a part of a why, yeah, we got to give, you know, got to keep feeding our American listeners the. Uh, we'll do the, the Arnold the, episode the next, probably. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we're going to be exploring kind of this Canadian sensibility, and you know, this weird combination of sort of um, self-importance and kind of um, you know, twee earnestness and modesty that that together I think form the constituent parts of Canada's. Uh, at least it's mainstream national sensibility. But starting things off, we, we want to begin with something that is really more Canadian than anything else. <laughs> the, the Canadian story of the past decade or so, which 
I suppose, until um, Justin Trudeau has really gripped the world more mm-hmm. than anything else. It was um, something that uh, became kind of the butt end of jokes on late night American TV, which for Canadians is kind of the most exciting thing you know, so to ever happen, uh, which just made me so ashamed. When this fellow was on late night TV, like my Facebook feed was full of people posting, you know, oh my God, uh, the Daily Show roasted Rob Ford. Wow, Anderson Cooper said the words Rob Ford. Uh, SNL did a skit about Rob Ford. Isn't this amazing? And like, you should not be proud of this. I love that people didn't like, they were so excited just that Rob Ford was, that a Rob Ford character was on SNL that they failed to, like actually noticed that the sketch wasn't funny, that it was terrible yeah. garbage, just like everything on SNL. I'm reminded of this uh, Monty Python sketch where somebody mentions this particular like building and then it cuts to the building and somebody rushes out of it and says, we've been mentioned on telly. And then it cuts <laughs> back to the sketch. That's Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, this, this folks, this is the Rob Ford. Um, yeah. This is the Rob Ford episode, the spectacular. We watched a number of things. You're going to hear from the man himself throughout <laughs> the episode. You're going to hear some of his finest moments. Here's a look at how we ended up where we are today. I was elected to go down to City Hall to end the gravy train. Yes, I'm human. I made mistakes. I'm working out every day. I have a lot of work to do. I'm not stepping down. I guarantee you're gonna see a change. I guarantee I'm working out every day. Folks, I went into Walmart the other day, and it was just non-stop. We support you. Ignore the media. Keep moving forward. And you're gonna see action like you've never seen before. Keep moving forward like you've never seen before. Stay the course. Stay the course. Four Nation. I love being there. I love the city. Four Nation. You didn't kill anybody. I like Teddy Kennedy. Four Nation. We got the subway train. Stop gravy train. We got the subway train. Four Nation. I'm working with a team of professionals. You're gonna see a gene. You're gonna see a gene. I suppose before we talk about what we actually watched this week, you know, given that our American listeners and others you know, may have only kind of heard about Rob Ford on SNL or, you know, Jon Stewart, they don't actually really know the kind of full story. So I do think we should, um, without making too many digressions, let's just try to run people through what happened and kind of the context that produced Rob Ford and maybe just detail a few of the uh, events that kind of defined the Ford era. So there's this business in Etobicoke called Deco Labels, which was run by uh, Doug Ford Sr., who for a brief period of time was a backbencher in in the Provincial Conservative Party, passed away and is now kind of a sainted figure uh, in Ford Nation. Deco Labels in its later period was run by uh, his two sons, Doug Ford Jr. and uh, Rob Ford. Mm. Rob Ford was... I, I mean, you know, I hate to speak ill of the dead, but kind of kind of the useless son. Uh, yeah, well, but don't forget Randy Ford. Oh, how could I forget Randy <laughs> Ford? Yeah. So he wasn't he wasn't really all that involved in the business, I don't think. No. Doug, if you're listening and you want to correct me, uh, please feel free to send a letter. Yeah, uh, Doug, come on Michael and us. <laughs> if Doug wanted to be a guest on Michael and us, that would be amazing. But uh, he ran for a city council in North Etobicoke, lost the first time, but the second time uh, got an endorsement from no less than his future bet noir, the Toronto Star. That's right. Uh, which said they d- they didn't know a whole lot about him, but uh, he was a successful businessman. He seemed passionate. Yeah, uh, successful businessman. Uh, and he quickly gained a reputation on council as being the loudmouth idiot. He was always the one in the 49 49- to one votes on council because his his whole shtick was that 
I mean, so there were a lot of kind of in the United States, you know, politicians at the state and local levels that are kind of like this. But Rob Ford was really the most extreme kind of version of a anti-tax and spend kind of politician. You know, for example, he once voted against, I think, just a few thousand dollars of spending on suicide barriers on the, uh, mm. the Bloor Viaduct. On the grounds, it was something like he justified it by saying that pedophiles make people kill themselves, so it's better to invest the money in, like, anti-pedophile stuff. I somehow Um, didn't hear that. Yeah. So, you know, he was just, he was just like a penny pincher in the most kind of vulgar and like reductive kind of sense of the term. In interviews, he would talk about how, what a scandal it was that they were printing so much at City Hall and all the money that was being spent on paper. He attacked people's, other people's office expenses, even though they were spending within budget and like weren't millionaires like him who had like their own like company (laughs) that could produce stationery and stuff. Um... And the other thing he became famous for, and this is really important to understanding the Rob Ford mythos, was, you know, he he had no, like, he was incapable of really having, I think, an abstract political thought. Mm. His politics consisted of two things, reigning in the state, regardless of whether the state needed to be reined in or not, and returning people's calls and kind of workshopping their problems. So he became famous for being somebody who, if you called him, like, his number was, pop, even when he was mayor, he would just post it on social media and you could just call him um, yeah. or text him. And even at the height of the crack scandal, he would like, call you back. I mean, it might, it might take a while for him to return yeah. your call, but I know all sorts of people who like called him ironically and then were unexpectedly mm. got a call back. Yeah. And so, you know, he did build a kind of constituency in the West end of the city, but not just the West end because people from other wards would start to call yeah. him and say, Hey, I got a problem with the tree on my front lawn yeah. and he would help them. And he would help them. And I mean, you know, there's a guy that has a lot of money to throw around. So he would, you know, he would just give people money too, which was another way that he yeah. kind of built a constituency for himself. But I mean, this carried on while he was mayor. So there was that wonderful, um, kind of sting operation that I think was carried out by the Toronto Star's food critic where he had a pothole in front of his house and because there was this mystery like Rob Ford's itinerary was very confusing and nobody could figure out where he was so um, this guy calls him and tells him he has this pothole and you know the mayor of Toronto a few days later shows up in this giant convoy of like Cadillac Escalades with this huge like cavalcade of city staff just kind of, you know, walks over to the pothole and, like, looks into it and goes over to some construction workers and just talks to them and, like, comes and shakes the guy's hand mm-hmm. and drive, drives off. So that and, like, coaching high school football were, you know, what Rob Ford preoccupied his time with. And, you know, he became... I suppose we should, you know, he won the election basically because... So there was a, a popular but kind of wounded left-wing mayor... David Miller, who decided not to run re-election. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that there was a big garbage strike in 2009. And Miller didn't intervene to break the strike. And and Miller was perceived as being kind of weak to the garbage union. And uh, Rob Ford rolled in saying, we're going to make garbage an essential service. We're going to privatize garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the kind of main, because David Miller didn't seek re-election, the main opposition to Ford was this guy, George Smitherman, who had been the deputy premier of the province and who began as kind of the obvious front runner running like basically a more respectable version of the Rob Ford campaign, this kind of slash and burn, like right wing campaign. And when Ford came in, suddenly Smitherman was like the savior of good government. And who was who the guy who ran? I already forget his name. The, the bocce balls guy. Oh, he was Remember great. Him? Rocco Rossi. Yeah, yeah. The, the former president of the 
I think federal liberal party who then who tried to run as the as Rob Ford basically he tried to run as Rob Ford but the thing is nobody could out Rob all these all these just empty suits that were trying to do this unconvincing like you know anti-government populist Rocco Rossi had these posters around town that was like he's a good fella and it'd be him looking like a mobster or something and he's got bocce balls yeah that was that was in the, the final two weeks when he was polling like within the margin of error and he finally dropped out so Rob Ford won one election with something like 48% of the population. And, you vote. know, uh, it's hard to overstate just how simple-minded Rob Ford was. I, I'm i so insane that I read uh, his campaign manager and later his chief of staff, Mark Toohey's book, wow. Uncontrollable, How I Tried to Help Mayor <laughs> Rob Ford, which is, I wouldn't necessarily recommend to the faint of heart, but... Uh, he mentioned that so the Rob Ford campaign was very much defined by like a couple of slogans, the main one of which was stop the gravy train. Yeah. And the reason why it was only a couple of slogans is because that's all they could drill into Rob Ford's head. Yeah. Because he like Tui would be driving Rob Ford between debates and Ford would have a, a fistful of constituent phone numbers and he would be ca- calling all of his constituents and saying, oh, how can I help you? Oh, you need a. You need a, a, a tree branch removed from your lawn. I'll, I'll be there. And he couldn't focus on anything. In fact, in Tui's book, he said that Ford was so fascinated by things like feeding paper into the paper shredder. <laughs> isn't, isn't that beguiling? Like, Rob Ford is literally like a, like a five-year-old. Yeah. And so all they could drill into him was stop the gravy train. But this ended up working to his advantage, just as it did with Trump with mm. Make America Great Again. A couple of easy-to-memorize slogans. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean the thing about Toronto is it was it was amalgamated in the late '90s. It, it used to be like many major American cities, kind of like um, you know Boston, which has Somerville and Cambridge as well. It used mm-hmm. to be like that, but with even more municipalities, and so it was amalgamated very controversially and kind of very coercively by the provincial government in the '90s. And you know a lot of issues haven't really been resolved. We have a weak mayor system in in Canada. Um, so the mayor doesn't really run like an administration in quite the same way. They don't have, they have a, a, a bunch of kind of discretionary executive powers, but it's not like, uh, you know, de Blasio or Rahm Emanuel or something. Um, and so actually, you know, the city council and the mayoralty are pretty weak in many ways. And that has created a lot of problems because, um, you know, the municipality isn't, um, you know, it doesn't have any kind of real status. It's just a creature of the province. So because of this, there are a lot of really serious problems with infrastructure and other things in Toronto. And there really is a very noticeable divide, uh, was and is to this day, I think if anything, a worse one, divide socioeconomically between kind of the downtown core and um, kind of suburbia. There's a really, I mean, the major infrastructure difference being that if you live downtown, you know, there's a subway stop every kind of 10 or 15, mm-hmm. you know, you know, blocks or even sometimes one or two blocks. There's so many subway stops. And you can walk anywhere. And you can walk anywhere. And there are bike lanes and, you know, there's all this kind of, you know, city building infrastructure. And uh, if you want to travel basically north of Bloor, which is just kind of the northernmost kind of frontier of downtown, um, it gets a lot harder. Like there are, sub- there are two subway lines going north. Uh, but they don't even, you know, get you all the way out to where you're mm-hmm. going if you're traveling kind of to the suburbs. And, um, you know, if you're going east-west, 
Uh, you got really long bus rides uh, and that kind of thing. There aren't even there aren't yeah. even streetcars. It takes a long time to get from Rexdale to downtown, so downtown may as well be another city from you. Yeah. And then if you find out that the you know a guy who could be the mayor of Toronto actually lives in your neighborhood and will respond to your call, mm-hmm. uh, and will come into your public housing unit and just throw money at you. Yeah, and you know vote against any uh, yeah. <laughs> any funding to improve your public housing yeah, unit. But that, but that too. but he's there. He's showing mm-hmm. an interest. Uh, so, yeah, so makes guess- it much easier to vote for so the other the other like last piece of context that's necessary about rob ford which is probably the thing people actually know best about him was that you know in his private life and often his kind of look he's not perfect judge him by his record the fact is he saved a billion dollars so when he was a when he was a counselor he became known for things like there was a hockey game where he uh he he got drunk and he berated some couple and he said to the husband, "Do you want your little wife, your little fucking wife, to go to Iran and get raped and shot?" Classic. Um, and then when uh, he was asked about it the next day, he said, "That's a lie. They're doing a hatchet job on me. I was never there." Of course, there was video footage of it. Of so. course, long before he became mayor, he was uh, pulled over uh, smoking pot in his car right. in Florida. Was it? Yeah, I think uh, Florida. While he was mayor, there was the famous Assgate scandal where mm-hmm. he, uh, according to Sarah Thompson, groped her yeah. uh, at. At a party function, yeah. yeah god uh what, what else what was the conflict of interest scandal that almost well, got so booted he out was of actually office? briefly for like 24 hours removed from office yeah. by a judge it was a a, a a brief respite from an otherwise hellish mayoralty <laughs> where we thought it was in like 2013 i think where we thought uh oh finally it's all over but i think that it had to do something to do with uh he was in violation of the conflict of interest act i think because he'd expensed uh, stationary for his office to his family business mm. on the grounds that they like didn't charge as much money, so he was saving the taxpayers' money. Wasn't there some uh, charity thing too? Like, didn't he write a letter f- t- on behalf oh, yeah. of like some charity thing on personal stationery? Like, like, like it was some really petty thing. Yeah, you just call what? him a fat fuck. Yeah, yeah why do you call him a fat fuck? Why did you just call him a fat fuck? You did. You did. You said hey, that. Barbara, you did that. Why did you? I just hey. heard you. That's you right. You, said, you heard it. Okay. What did you say? What's what true? did you just say? You just called him a fat fuck. You called me a fat fuck. Why did you call him a fat fuck? You just did. Why did you just lie about that? Are you gonna lie about that, Barbara? Are you gonna lie about that? You said that. You just called him a fat fuck. Why did you do that? Okay. Why did you just know your why can't you say that? Why can't you say that? Why can't you say that? Why did you just call him a fat fuck? Yes, you did. You called me a fat fuck right in front of him. Right in front of him. Why did you do it? That's exactly what you did. No, 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 no. I want to know if you are a man. Why did you do it? If you are a man. Why did you do it? No, no, that is not a process. That is an assault. That is a verbal assault. That is a verbal assault. And, you know, before we get to what he was really most famous for, uh, I'd say the first maybe six months of his mayorality were a rousing success. He got a lot of things passed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Council, like a lot of council, there are a lot of really crummy right wing counselors in the city. And as with all the like supposedly polite, respectable, suit wearing, uh, graph wielding Republicans who opposed Donald Trump, you know, uh, before the election, they lined up right away and were and were because I uh, I was talking to a, a, a not crappy city councillor recently, and uh, the first thing I said Giorgio Mammoliti. The first thing I said was, uh, you know, how are things down at City Hall? I feel like I'm, you know, I'm not following as much anymore because it's, you know, it's the circus is gone. He's like, yeah, the circus is gone, but it's the same agenda basically being implemented. So, a lot of these people didn't actually disagree with Rob Ford in terms of like his policy orientation, but they just didn't like that he was, you know, so you know, impolite and nasty and whatever. Things started to crumble when 
he was going to target library funding and then he got into a war of words with Margaret Atwood, right? Uh, w- which was pretty ridiculous. And then there was a, a really big one was uh, Doug Ford, his yeah. brother and uh, a member of council at the time announced that they were going to build this amazing waterfront plan with a, a big with Ferris, a Ferris wheel. wheel and a monorail, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, of course, there was already a big waterfront plan underway. Yeah, it was just uh, a not a real plan, and it just completely went nowhere. That kind of put some cracks in the idea that they were the this big force. You know, Rob Ford, Doug Ford, they were natural opposition forces on council. And they were good, and they were good in a certain way at retail politics, but they were not good at in like long term strategic planning. They couldn't hold together a coalition. No. Uh, but then came what he's actually best known for, right. which is... Uh, well, the, the crack scandal, as it's kind of known. There's been a serious accusation from the Toronto Star that I use crack cocaine. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. As for a video, I cannot comment on a video that I have never seen or does not exist. It is most unfortunate, very unfortunate, that my colleagues and the great people of this city have been exposed to the fact that I have been judged by the media without any evidence. You asked me you asked me a question back in May. And you can repeat that question. The question we asked you back in May? Yes. Can you explain you the, the video didn't what you, you 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 asked me a couple of questions. And what were those questions? Do you smoke crack cocaine? Exactly. Yes, I have smoked crack cocaine. But no, do I? Am I an addict? No. Have I tried it? Um, Probably in one of my drunken stupors, probably approximately about a year ago. I answered your question. You asked the question properly, I'll answer it. Yes, I've made made mistakes. All I can do now is apologize and move on. I don't know what I'll... Oh, guys, okay, can I I just... All I can say is I've made mistakes. That's, and you guys kept referring to alcohol. There was a couple isolated incidents. There's been times when I've been in a drunken stupor. That's why I want to see the tape. I want everyone in the city to see this tape. I'd like to see this tape. I don't even recall there being a tape or a video, and I know that. So I want to see the state that I was in. But um, that's exactly it. That's, that's a guy. I don't know what else I can say here. Okay. So, so I, I wasn't lying. You didn't ask the correct questions. No, I'm not an addict. And no, I do not um, do drugs. I, it's a problem. So I, I want to, I want to get, I said, I get, maybe now would be a good time to just say what we watched for this episode, because yeah. we are a, uh, uh, a film criticism podcast. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel like the, the you know, what we watched is kind of just a, you know, um, a wireframe for kind of the discussion. This so week, we but. watched three things. Uh, we watched uh, a film inspired by Rob Ford that has played at a few venues in Toronto. Um, it's called Filth City, starring uh, local comedian Pat Thornton mm-hmm. as uh, the fictional mayor Tom Hogg, mm-hmm. a Ford-like mayor who's caught in a crack scandal. We watched about half of the first episode of Ford Nation, the first and only episode of uh, <laughs> Rob Ford's television show, Ford Nation, for Sun News. And we watched uh, the most successful Canadian independent film of recent years, the Rob Ford crack video. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, all, all fine uh, pieces of political agitprop in their own ways. <laughs> I mean, the the bulk of our time we spent watching was this film, Filth City. But, I mean, it's actually 
you know, it is what it is. It's kind of a. It's not very good. Not it got it got it got the juices flowing about the Ford era, though. Uh, it really made it got us got us remembering. Yeah, it. it's kind of it's the thing is it's going for I would say like authenticity rather than accuracy, and it only I would say I would rate it like sixty percent, you know, authenticity. And I mean, in terms of like, because it, it's it's a it's a made up story that just features like a Rob Ford like character and various well, other it, things. Well, it tries but... to capture a little something of the Somali mm-hmm. diaspora yeah. and uh, you know the media and the police, you know the whole the whole novelistic story of the Rob Ford years. But it's got some tonal issues. There are times when it's kind of broad slapstick, and other times when it's really sincere drama. Yeah, um, and it's just not very entertaining. The, the the guy who plays Ford was okay. We thought. I mean, he was. I thought he was okay. He was a little over done um but in a better movie he could have he could have worked uh-huh and the film mostly filmed in uh my my uh my former city hamilton ontario well Ham- hamilton home of the hamilton new wave uh it's the <laughs> filming location of uh, such films as sicilian vampire and uh oh, yes, the no deposit yeah by the way folks i don't know if people know this but uh will is one of the world's greatest living frank d'angelo scholars yeah, um, if you need me to as an interview subject for your Frank D'Angelo biography, I'm available. Maybe one of the many Frank D'Angelo podcasts out there could have you on. <laughs> just uh, just floating the idea, folks. So Ford Nation was the second thing we watched. And, and uh, there's maybe just a tiny bit of context needed for this. So the Ford brothers, one of the things that made them kind of effective at real t- retail politics was that they had this, uh, this AM radio talk show. I think it was called. Ford I think Nation. it was Ford Nation, yeah. And it was on. Uh, it was on every week, and you know they would go on and they would just do their like whole demagogic uh, shtick. And the only time I listened to it, or I think it were three or four weeks where I listened to it, which were immediately after the crack video scandal mm-hmm. broke, um, because it was fascinating. Like, how are they going to deal with this? And and they were, they only did one episode after the crack scandal, and then news I, I think, news talk ten ten ditched more, them. I think there were a few more than I think there were a few more really. Than well, one it then. wasn't much. But they but were, but they were. They became very too quickly. toxic. They became too toxic, and then they're picked up by the now deceased um, kind of Fox News avatar uh, Sun uh, Sun TV, mm. um, home of re- such personalities as uh, Ezra Levant. Yeah, as uh, Brian Lilly. Yeah, all your favorites. Uh, was but, Gavin McInnes on Sun News? I don't know or? if he was on. Yeah. Uh, various other people who've since called for like a jihad against, uh, <laughs> like you know, like to root the Arab uh, pestilence out of Jerusalem or right. whatever. That's that's not a thing I'm making up. Um, sun luminaries are everywhere doing uh, doing good work. Um, anyway, so you know, Rob and Doug Ford were given the show, um, and uh, even they became even too toxic for Sun News after one. Well, episode. they did one episode of their TV show, and uh, it got canceled because apparently it took them eight hours to record the show because they were total amateurs, and most shows are basically recorded in the amount of time in it takes take. to watch them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, it's hard to believe that uh, it took it took eight hours to record that because it's really yeah. Uh, Joe Warmington was a guest. Ezra, uh, Joe Warmington, in case you don't know, is a, a reporter for the Toronto Sun and also a biographer of Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, you can read <laughs> Will's write-up on that biography on torontoist.com. Yeah, it's a great um, book. Um, I love, you know what I love about this episode, Will, is that it's 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 very, like, intertextual, you know? <laughs> yeah. There are all these different, because there are all these different kind of... Uh, you know, digressions into the broader world of uh, the, the Toronto folklore. So I think we're giving our American listeners uh, a, lo- a lot about Toronto, mm-hmm. fitting for Canada 150 spectacular. So it was great to see this Ford Nation episode because it reminded me, it, g- it gave me a visceral reminder of what the Fords were actually like. You know, Doug has this real used car salesman quality to him where he's like, 
folks, uh, let me tell you, uh, yeah. Ro- Rob may not be perfect, but if you if you kick his wheels, you'll see he's made us certain stuff. Give him a test drive, and yeah. uh, Rob, you know, for a populist, he's shockingly uncharismatic. Yeah, uh, he's very bumbling, inarticulate. He's kind of like you know, if you see like a shy four year old uh, yeah. who kind of mumbles everything he says. Yeah, but. The show opens with like a couple of man on the street questions for him where it'll be like, uh, my question for Mayor Forty is, uh, should the mayor of Toronto be a role model? Uh-huh. And then like Rob will start. Uh, the the, the kinda, wheels, the cogs he'll turn start, over. He'll start in kind of a monster. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, the mayor, the mayor of Toronto should, uh, should be a role model. But, uh, but you know, the thing is like, you will never see Rob Ford uh, uh, <laughs> spend a, waste a dime of taxpayer money. And I will see everywhere where the taxpayer, like he gets really worked up and then yeah. Doug will try to rein him in and he'll say like, well, well, Rob, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, I think this is a good point about how we're going to be building subways. But Rob will just ignore that, and, and he'll be like, "You look at the provincial liberals and the gas plant scandal; and it's a total scandal." Yeah, and that's why we should definitely build subways. You know, trying to get him back on track. I just want to say that I think the mayor's biggest crime is uh, the fact that he's taking the attention away from the provincial liberals, blowing 1.1 billion dollars on the uh, gas plants. Okay, you know what, and that that gentleman's right. You look what's happening at Queen's Park, folks. You will never, ever, ever find Rob Ford stealing one red cent of taxpayers' money. There's no money scandals here. I've never been charged with any money scandals. You look what's happening at Queen's Park. There, that is almost criminal. What they're doing, spending $1.1 billion, absolutely gone. You look what's happening up in Ottawa with, with, with the senators. Outright gone taxpayers' money. I can turn around and show you a list of a billion dollars that I have saved the taxpayers in the last three years. And these aren't my numbers, folks. These are the numbers coming from the city manager and the chief financial officer. My job, I've never once went down to City Hall intoxicated or under the influence of drugs. And yes, I have made mistakes in the past, but only time will tell. Action speaks louder than words. And you're going to see action like you've never been seen before. If you want lobbyists and consultants and, you know, you want the Tories, the Stints, the Minnewongs, the Chows, all those slick-talking people, you know what? On October 27th, you're going to have a choice. Do you want someone that watches every single dime or do you want someone who you're not quite sure where they're coming from? But one thing you know, they can, they can talk pretty smooth, but you better watch your pocketbook, folks. So the the Ford Nation show kind of happened in the context of like, I mean, this was a political meltdown of a kind that is rarely seen because unlike most political meltdowns, he just refused to resign. Mm -hmm. And so it just kept getting worse. And there were days like I remember like DMing with you on Facebook in the morning on certain days where some story would have broken and it was like, there is no way the news cycle can like it's peaked. And then like by the end of the day, there would have been like two or three more yeah like scandals so the day of the the crack scandal so the toronto star reported in like may that they had seen this video but something like 50 percent of the city didn't believe it was real mm-hmm. but then in you know the week of halloween the police investigation project brazen into this drug ring in rexdale this drug and gang ring it, it had been revealed that they had been following the mayor and this all this information from the investigation came out and the day began with raw ford yelling at reporters on his please, front please, lawn. Please, can you get off my driveway? Off your can you get off my property, please? Can't go get off my property! Can't get off my property! I'm leaving! Okay, thank you! Thank you very and much. then in the afternoon, 
Bill Blair, the police chief, said that a video had been obtained that matched the description, and Rob Ford basically confirmed it. It was the first day since 9-11 that all the Toronto newspapers did afternoon editions. And then do you remember Doug Ford then tried, then called the police chief a liar and told him that he should resign. Okay, do you remember and that? And then mere hours yeah. later. <laughs> Ro- Doug Ford wandered into a journalism class at yeah, Ryerson yeah. and started, started, blathering. started blathering about uh, irresponsible journalism. And while he was doing that, Rob Ford admitted <laughs> that the scandal happened. The scandal was true. And I mean, that speaks to kind of like, there was no wider strategic mind with the Fords. Yeah. Like they just, they just impulse. They were so impulsive, and they and they did whatever. But so while this, uh, you know, these this radio show, uh, these few radio shows they did after the crack scandal broke, this you know Sun News program, they were kind of attempts to get this story under control, and they were really trying to spin the idea that you know Rob Ford had had a couple of. Uh, you know, he'd had a couple of benders and, you know, he might, who hasn't, who hasn't, we've all done that. And, uh, but no. he was, he was focused on the task at hand and he was seeing health professionals, all the rest of it. And we know now, um, for various reasons, because of, you know, testimony from people that were close to him and others that like Rob Ford was not a, like, he was not a healthy man in all kinds of ways. And he had, I mean, in the Mark Tui book, the only part of it I've read, there's an anecdote about Tui being on the phone with him while he's, you know, unbelievably inebriated and was in a very violent argument with his wife. And there was allegedly like, you know, they were threatening each other with a gun and things mm. like that. Uh, there were, you know, uh, he had battery charges, which ended up being dropped uh, before he was mayor. Um, you know, there were there were all kinds of there were all kinds of things like that. He had, you know, a very serious drug problem, a very serious drinking problem. I mean, there was that night. Uh, I mean, you know, one of the one of the ways that people knew he had a drinking problem was just because he would appear in public. Like there was that night when taste of the Danforth. Oh my happened. God. How can I forget? And just, you logged onto Twitter and there was all these people just had cell phone videos of Rob Ford, like hoisting <laughs> a beer in the air and just being unbelievably wasted. He's a big guy, man. Nice to meet you, buddy. Buy a bottle and let the party rain. Yeah, all right. Get in the round. Yeah. What do you say he's going to meet? We're gonna go up to the party, man. Let's go. I want to get these kids playing football. Yeah, I need to get in the picture. Do you remember the night that he uh, lost the subway vote when uh, on on this big subway plan when he just rode the subway for the rest of the night and people would see him on the subway? <laughs> oh my god, that was so great. I mean, he's somebody who, uh, you know, more than anything. The reason he stayed mayor was because he needed the validation of being mayor. Mm-hmm. He loved having people come up. Like, there were so many people who would take selfies with him, basically because he was the crack mayor, and it'd right. be funny to take a selfie but with him. But he really, he he was, really received them in earnest. He was incapable of understanding that, and mm-hmm. he just... So I went to Ford Fest one year on... You uh, tell people what Yeah, Ford let's Fest talk is. about Ford Fest. I went to Ford Fest on assignment uh, as, as a journalist. But Ford Fest was the annual barbecue that I guess was started by Doug Ford Sr. But I guess, yeah. I, I think know. so. But it was their annual Etobicoke Community Barbecue. But, you know, in Rob's career, basically became, uh, you know, a, a campaign event for Rob Ford uh, that they were able to call a community event. Um, they gave out lots of free food. And it was just another way that they figured out how to leverage their family's wealth is like a political tool. But though I went to the very last uh, Ford Fest of Rob's life. And, you know, it was a pretty sparsely attended affair by Ford Fest standards because it was in like late October and, the, you know, it was dark by 7 p.m. And I think they basically had it because there was a provincial election on at the time and they wanted to help, I guess. But but Rob would basically just 
he gave a speech and then he just sat in a chair for the rest of the night while people like stood in a line. Paid homage. To yeah, him. yeah, yeah. It was the weirdest thing. You know who was there? Um, Reg Hart. <laughs> filming filming the occasion red heart oh, oh and you can watch red red heart's documentary about it on on youtube which uh highly recommend i think at the cutting edge of modern avant-garde so uh another thing we watched there were actually there was one thing we watched that we didn't mention which was the uh video where <laughs> so <many things. laughs> the raw ford crack tape no 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 no. there was something else oh we watched the uh kevin spacey videos no no okay hold well, it there was two other things then can i talk about the kevin spacey video okay, there, i just want to but let's lay them okay. out There's the crack tape there's the Kevin Spacey video, which we're going to play for you folks. Yeah. Uh, folks? To, to use the parlance of the Fords. Uh, and then there was the video that came out um, with no context of Rob Ford talking about how he's going to murder mm. somebody. Yeah. I just need 50 minutes to make sure that he's dead. It's not the kill the guy. I'm talking about his first degree murder. I'll fight him. I'll try one No holds barred, brother. He dies or I die, brother. I'm talking about Brother, What was the story behind that video? Because I heard there were conflicting reports. Well, no, I don't think we, we know. I mean, he just was Re talking about... Yeah, know. it was this covertly recorded video of him yelling that he was going to kill someone. And uh, I think at one point he tried to spin it as during during that summer, he did a public arm wrestling match with uh, Hulk Hogan. Right. And he said that was him talking about... Uh, it could, it could have been. It could have been. And it actually could have been because he was saying brother a lot in it, and that's it, Hulk Hogan's thing. It could have been thing. that, or he could have been talking about. I mean, we we know that um, that like some thug tried to reclaim the crack tape at one point with like yeah. a pipe, you know, wielding a pipe, busted into a house somewhere. Yeah. I mean, he honestly could have been talking about like trap. We know that we know that Ford like actively tried to seek out the tape and have it destroyed mm -hmm. and stuff. So. You could know, have been. He could have been talking. Who knows what he was talking about? Um, but let's talk about this Kevin Spacey thing because it's delicious. Well, one of the one uh, of the really a, this is a bit of a deeper cut. Folks, one of the really surreal the moments uh, was when uh, Jimmy Kimmel of the hit TV show Jimmy Kimmel Live uh, invited Rob Ford on his TV show after the Oscars to be a guest. Right. Uh, because Kimmel was, of course, very tickled by the Ford thing, and of course Kimmel went, and it was such a weird like. 15 minutes of television because on this network talk show, uh, Rob Ford comes on and he starts talking about how he cut the vehicle registration tax <laughs> and how he's building subways. And of course, Kimmel wants to talk about, you know, uh, crack. Yeah. And I also remember the guest after Kim, uh, Rob Ford was a Muppet because there was a Muppet movie coming out at the time. And I think it was Gonzo wow. and Gonzo made some, some crack about being nervous. And he said something like, I really feel like Rob Ford now. <laughs> and like, what a strange world it was that a Muppet was on Jimmy Kimmel talking about the mayor of Toronto. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, the, one of the other guests uh, who was on was uh, Kevin Spacey. And uh, I guess Kevin Spacey, like didn't allow anyone to take a picture with him because on the Ford's YouTube show, it's, it starts with, after this was after they were off Sun news. They just kept going. They soldiered on, on YouTube. Uh, it starts with uh, Doug Ford saying, one thing I want to say about Kevin Spacey, he's a terrific actor. And then Rob goes, yeah, I, I, no, I, I don't watch movies. So I wouldn't know him if I ran over him. <laughs> Rob, Rob never, never watched K-Pax. <laughs> yeah. 
And then there was this Kevin Spacey, okay? I want to start off with saying Kevin Spacey is an incredible actor. He is. He, I, he really I, is. I've never, I don't watch movies. So I yeah, can't. so, but Rob? I wouldn't know him if I ran him over, but. In, in my opinion, he's an arrogant SOB, and I'll tell you the reason why. Any actor that makes a living off the people that watches shows, he wouldn't take a picture with anyone. We were told you can't take a picture and you can't speak to him. Who does this character think he is? I don't even he know. He thinks he's God, that he's, he's up there, that no common folk can take a picture. And then you know what's amazing? He goes on the show and he changes on a dime. Like on a dime. It's unbelievable. I was just... So, you know, Kevin, why don't you get off your high horse and be real and take pictures with people and uh, that, that's my opinion of Yeah, you got to be like careful that. because you know what? Maybe he does take pictures and we're not aware of it. I didn't see him. So when he went on stage... All I and, know and, is we were told you can't talk to him, you can't take pictures with him. And I Jimmy, him. he's the most down-to-earth guy. He'll take a picture with anyone, including your pet dog. He doesn't <laughs> mind. I love the idea of like the mayor of Toronto and a city councillor, you know trying to get a picture with Kevin Spacey and being turned down. And then, and then denouncing Kevin Spacey. It's so funny because Rob Rob just doesn't care about it. And, and yet Doug is like so full of passionate yeah. conviction that Kevin Spacey needs to be denounced. There was a great uh, anecdote in Mark Toohey's book where they went to Chicago on a business trip. And of course, Doug didn't even need to go. Why would, why would the Ward 2 counselor need to go to Chicago? But uh, Rob had a meeting with Rahm Emanuel. And of course, Doug thought he was going to that meeting but of course he couldn't go to the meeting and Tui told him he couldn't go to the meeting and he was like from that moment on Tui was his enemy because he didn't get to sit in on the meeting with Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> I mean a big, a big part of the whole like Ford story has to do with kind of the internal politics of the Ford family which are a really complicated oh, yeah. matter because yeah. the family regarded itself and does probably still regard itself as kind of a you know a political dynasty uh, you know the Kennedys of Etobicoke, I believe the they Canadian called themselves. The Kennedys, yeah. they used to say. Um, there were a whole bunch of, I think that one was a Doug Ford one, along with when he called Rob the White Obama, which was another good one. Oh, yeah. I remember him uh, during the time when they were on all sorts of uh, network TV shows. Like he was on, I don't know, 60 Minutes or something. And he said, I hear all these people saying that uh, Rob is a conservative and... I don't understand this. He's a social liberal. He, he loves Obama. He's got a big heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rob, who famously never showed up at any Pride events. Yeah, uh, and refused. Re yeah, refused to clap when they clapped Pride at uh, City Council. Mm. Uh, I think he eventually did show up to one flag raising. Well, he, well, of course he did. He showed yeah. up to the flag yeah. raising uh, the morning of the crack scandal. <laughs> Which, maybe that's the thumbnail for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah, you're right. picture that I believe was taken by uh, now's Jonathan Goldsby. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's it was, it's such, it is a sublime, it's, it is, it is a, a sublime beauty on par with the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Because <laughs> Rob Ford had just, you know, suffered this great public humiliation and he'd been hounded by the media and all the kind of left-leaning city councillors are all smiling and applauding because the the pride flag is being raised in front of city hall and he's standing off by the side just his head down moping it's an incredible photo i remember when um uh to, near the end of his mayorality when uh at city hall they they took down the olympic flag or something and put up the pride flag basically to protest russia's uh anti-gay human yeah. rights violations and 
Rob Ford was really angry about it, and he put the Olympic flag in his window. And I remember listening to John Tory's radio show because I had a car at the time, and went, <laughs> and he was on right after work. Um, the current mayor of Toronto. The current mayor of Toronto, and this I think just just says everything about what a fucking dipshit John Tory is. <laughs> where he he did this. 30 minutes of just talking about now I'm, I'm, I, I, I think uh, that uh, what uh, Mayor Ford needs to understand is that uh, it's it's not at all disrespectful to the Olympic athletes and uh, it's simply uh, just us um, sending a message to Russia saying um, the human rights violations they are uh, not cool and uh, that's something and he he goes on for 15 minutes like this and he ends it with but you know just one man's opinion <laughs> that that says everything you need to know yeah he's he was a real master of equivocation oh, okay I remember uh, Doug Ford being on John Tory's radio it's show. It's all coming flooding. Yeah, yeah. I have all this Rob Ford knowledge in like cold storage in my brain, and now starting to, I think it's starting to defrost. After after Margaret Atwood criticized uh, the Fords for their cuts in library spending, and Doug Ford said, uh, "I don't know who Margaret Atwood is. Wouldn't wouldn't know if I ran over." <laughs> John Tory, who at the time was, of course, in Ford Nation, yeah. uh, had Doug on his radio show, and he said something like, "Now, Doug, I'm sure what, of course, you meant by that comment was uh, that uh, uh, Margaret Atwood is a terrific author, and uh, we just we just don't see eye to eye on all on all political issues." And Doug's like, "Well, of course, John." <laughs> oh man! Uh, and then John Tory, like in 2015 or 2014, managed to posture when he was running against Doug Ford, who, yeah. who ran instead of in the place of Rob, um, he was able to posture as like the antidote to Fordism, which was one of the great yeah. political cons in, in recent Because he was history. like Ford without the mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just a respectable suit wearing conservative. Yeah. Um, and we're stuck with it. Probably for the next 20 years, I would say. Oh, don't even. Um, so, uh, sorry. The, the, so uh, It's the, not my fault. The last thing we have to discuss is uh, the crack tape. The famous crack tape. Which was finally released last summer after Rob's death. I remember hauling luggage across Times Square uh, when I saw on my phone that it broke and then pausing in the sweltering August heat to watch it on my phone and feeling somewhat let down by it and never seeing it again until tonight. We spent so much time waiting for this video. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, well, I liked it this time. Um, it just seemed like such a... For it to finally come out after he died, you know, yeah. wouldn't it have been nice two years ago? <laughs> That's why he wants to be involved in everything. No, no, he, 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 he wants to fight everybody's battles. And, no, and it's, it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, kill you. No, I'd kill don't do it. The kids, spend the the kids are important to you. That's that's yeah, no, that's fine, what yeah. drives you, baby. That's what I love. So, that's no, what I think love everybody's getting my family. Okay. I don't know. Your children, your family, your kids, your footballers. Here, your, your kids who play football. Like that's what drives you. Family. Driving the minority. I'm right wing. I excuse me. You're right wing. No, they say I'm just right wing. Radical. I like to get that Justin Trudeau and shove my foot as far up his ass because I'm sure it goes real far. I'm sure my will tickle his nose hairs with my foot up his ass because he's such a shit to the man. I hate Trudeau, man. You know, one of the things that really bothered me was that when Rob Ford did die, you know, and I could almost see something similar happening with Trump, not like when he dies, but like when he's no longer U.S. president, all kinds of people find a way to, just like they've done with like Ronald Reagan, 
in his White House, there was, like, open laughter at, like, the AIDS epidemic mm. and stuff. This reinvention of, like, him, he was this great patriot and he loved the country and all this yeah. stuff. Like, Hillary Clinton attacked him for, for attacked Trump for uh, impugning the integrity of Ronald Reagan and stuff like that. Yeah. People did the same thing with Rob Ford when he died. There was a similar maneuver. He got effectively a state funeral. The penny-pinching mayor of Toronto... Mm basically got a state funeral and all these people uh all these kind of just insufferable uh you know whimpering people became you know they were so sad and they were like oh but he loved the city and you know and i don't know that was just very offensive to me it was terrible but i mean if it gives you any comfort if he is remembered at all it's because he's the crack mayor yeah that's his legacy yeah well okay so just i guess one more comment on the crack tape like i do think that we have to comment on why like that it became the crack scandal, I think, is kind of inadvertently a commentary on on what the Ford phenomenon was and where it came from. Because, you know, crack has, like, particular connotations, right? Oh, yeah. And when the story was initially reported, it was reported badly. I mean, there was this talk of, um, it was like, Somali drug dealers. The word Somali appeared a lot in that article. Yeah, and it's like, the it's like these people live in Toronto, like, they're ours, like, uh, and and there were there was all this this insinuation of like certain people being gang members, even though there was no evidence. They were just young black men, mm-hmm. you know, like that were in photos. And crack, I just think, had a particular political valence, which I think speaks to the kind of metropolitan, I don't know, smugness that this city still suffers from, and that mm-hmm. we have to we have to overcome uh, if we're going to avoid having another Rob Ford. Anyway, it's nice that, uh, you know, all the problems of the Ford era are no longer with us anymore. There was this great period of civic engagement when we were all asking questions about who are we as a city? Are we really the city we think we are? Are we the liberal, <laughs> you know, melting pot that we once thought we were? And and now it's great that we've just kind of pushed all that aside and we don't think about it anymore. You and I went to City Hall. In fact, you went, yes. I think, multiple times in the final days of the before the election, it was the last council meeting. Well, because we used to watch those city hall meetings Hour, like for hours on on our computers because mm. uh, they were so fascinating yeah. at the time. And actually, visiting city hall, it felt like you know going to a taping of your favorite TV show. It was like wandering onto a set of yeah your favorite. Well, show. it was also like like watching a movie like Playtime or something because there <laughs> are like forty five counselors and there's. There's so much to look at. Yeah, there was right? so much going on, and and the Ford, and I remember I the remember, Ford brothers basically stuck to themselves in those days. I do remember uh, Rob slouched back in his chair, just you know, kind of like smirking, and he just looked over at us with his little beady eyes. He had this, he, he had this us. vibe to him that was like, "You fuckers, wait till November. I'm gonna be back in a big way." Yeah, and I mean, his brother did get like some. St- terrifying 35 percent of the voters so his brother was like fifty thousand votes away from becoming mayor oh and the last thing was um olivia gondak it, it says that i wanted to eat her pussy olivia gondak. i've never said that in my life to her i would never do that i'm happily married i've got more than enough to eat at home one thing uh i think that i've maybe grown out of from the ford era is there was this constant sense at the time of like okay surely this is the thing that's gonna that will cause his followers to see the light mm-hmm. uh like you know when Bill Blair and the police force were out against him. I thought, oh, well, these people, the police they are love con- cops. conservative constituency. Yeah. So people but no, I mean, they they love Rob Ford. And it comes down to the fact that, OK, he's got flaws, but he saved tax dollars. And, and it was interesting just watching at this last election cycle, everyone saying the same thing about Trump. It's mm. like, well, this will be the thing that, yeah. you know, how can how can Trump's followers not not see the light? Mm. Uh, well, you've heard uh, I don't know. if you've, Well, I don't know if you have heard, but Matt Taibbi has this great comment on that where 
you know, he says that reporters who cover campaigns are so accustomed to they impose the same narrative on campaigns again and again and again, mm. because what happens is uh, because they just habitually absorb the kind of values of like the beltway culture that they're uh, so close to. And so, you know, he points out that in every election cycle, there are these figures like, you know, Bernie Sanders or um, on the right, you know, Ron Paul or, you know, back in uh, before he became a pharmaceutical lobbyist and a corporate sellout, Howard Dean. <laughs> and, um, you know, these people tend to kind of win a primary or two and they start saying things that go against the grain of Beltway culture. And guess what? People actually like it. So they start responding to it. Mm. But then uh, the media will find something, the campaign reporters find something that they, you know, with Dean, it was the scream or, you know, there's always something. And then they play out, They the media then like enacts the same script mm -hmm. every time. So they'll say... You know, it's hard for the, you know, the campaign to recover. Uh, he'll be, you know, yeah. uh, struggling on for a couple more weeks and then the person drops out. And they tried this script with Trump over and over again. Um, they did it with John you know, the John McCain thing. They did it over and over again. Um, and, you know, I remember watching, you know, in the fall of 2015 all the, or 2016, all these things about... Um, you know, like, well, or I guess the fall of 2015, sorry, I'm getting, it's been such a long two years, <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. Um, you know, all these things like uh, on pundits saying, well, you know, we don't know how many more weeks this can go on for or whatever. And of course, it went on till the presidency. But there was the exact same pattern with Rob Ford. It was every single thing was treated like, okay, this is it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I wouldn't say, I mean, with Trump, I think every time the media tried to do that, it actually made him stronger. I'm not sure... That was exactly the case with Ford, but I mean, it, it, it did it did often. I mean, solidified him with his core constituency. Yeah, Ford lost. I mean, when he won the mayorality in 2010, he had a, a huge amount of support from just kind of like centrist, yeah. you know, suburbanites, yeah. uh, and he lost most of that. Yeah. But he had a, basically a 35 mm percent -hmm. that he would never fall below. Yeah, he had a, he had a floor, and I think one of the difficult things about discussing the Ford era is kind of extricating. I guess all these kind of material realities and cultural circumstances that produced him, extricating that from the obvious potency of personality politics and mm. explaining the whole thing. Because when you went to Ford Fest, I mean, it really was a personality call. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, people were utterly convinced that this guy who'd been a, just a serial liar, that when he said there was no, there was no tape, mm -hmm. they, they just believed it. And then even when the police said, no, there is a tape, they still didn't believe it, you know. The thing about Rob that people tell me when I'm at Walmart, when I'm at Tim Hortons, they stop me in line and they say, Doug, Rob is authentic. <laughs> and that's not what you see at City Hall too often. It's not like a bunch of lawyers, a bunch of... Those, those Doug Ford anecdotes were like his equivalent of the woke toddler tweets. <laughs> yeah. Like my, my four-year-old just uh, made a prescient comment about intersectionality. Or well, whatever. then Rob followed it up by saying, <laughs> I, I was out with my family and, uh, and it was like we couldn't get out of the restaurant. It was like four hours there and I, I felt bad for his poor family. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a fun one. Uh, I feel like... We, oh, it's we, great to get that out of my system. Yeah, you know? I, it's, really, it's really cathartic. Maybe this will Maybe we'll finally sort of be... Maybe we'll finally be freed from this turbulent priest. In any case, uh, I look forward to continuing with the Canada Spectacular in future episodes, getting back to some American stuff next time. I don't think we're quite sure what we're going to watch yet. Um, but uh, thanks to everybody that's been tweeting at us and uh, sending us messages. Uh, keep it up. We like hearing from you. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Now watch this drive. Mr. Mayor, do you still 
have a to have a, have zero tolerance for drugs, guns, and gangs? Absolutely. Mr. Mayor, can you tell me how that applies to you? I just answered that question. Mr. Mayor, have you purchased illegal drugs in the last two years? Yes, I have.